0: As you're being seated, if you will find your Bible, open it up, turn it on to Romans chapter 5. When I was in the third grade, our church that I was going to did this big missions emphasis, and what we were supposed to do is we were supposed to save some money each week and then give it Towards missions, and so I decided as a third grader I was going to save a dollar a week to give towards missions. So at the end of that year, I had fifty-two dollars saved. So I got one of the offering envelopes and put it in the offering envelope, and and you know had it in my pocket and was going through church. And uh, I went to children's church, and in children's church they would pass an offering plate. And so the offering plate came to me. It was my time to give that money that I've been saving all year, and I froze. I mean, I just like, it's like I couldn't get it out of my pocket. I guess I got gripped in the grip of greed that day. And so I couldn't get it out of my pocket. I didn't give the offering. The plate went on past. And I felt so badly about that. And all week long I was saying, okay, next week I'm going to give the offering. I'm going to make sure that I participate. And then uh, I discovered that my dad had taken the pants that I was wearing on Sunday to the dry cleaners. And my offering was in the pocket so I came across this discovery. I was like, this is not good. This is not good at all. Uh, my offering has gone to the dry cleaners. And I remember my dad taking me down to the dry cleaners and asking them, did you find a little boy's offering in the pants? And they're like, no, he didn't. And so I just hope that the dry cleaner was called to missions or something like that because he got my missions offering. But I remember that sinking feeling of of losing my offering and what it felt like to lose something, and and God taught me a lesson through it all, but I just never will forget that feeling of loss. You know, we all lose things in life. Over time, you lose your youth. There was a time where you could run a mile in under five minutes. And now if you try to run a quarter mile, you have an asthma attack. Sometimes you lose things. Anybody lose your keys this week? Anybody lose your children this week? Yeah, My parents, like, used to leave me all the time. They'd just forget about me. Uh, but I always found them. But anyway, it was tough, you know. Sometimes we lose important parts of our life. I was, I was struck this week by the verdict of Aaron Hernandez, this young man, 25 years old, uh, sentenced to life with no parole for first-degree murder. And he had had a $40 million football contract. Threw it all away. All of his fame, all of his fortune, threw it all away because of a foolish decision. Sometimes the losses of life sting. They cut. Sometimes we grieve loss. Whenever you lose somebody that you love, it hurts. And you grieve that loss. So today I want to speak to you about the one thing that you never want to lose. If you lose this then life loses its joy. You become numb. You become cynical. You become skeptical. You find it hard to love people. You find it very difficult to trust anyone. And you rarely laugh. If you lose this, you lose interest. You quit caring. You quit trying. You're alive But you're not really living you're present you're here but you're not really present if you lose this you're no longer free your life will probably be full of conflict you very likely spiritually will feel isolated from God and you will often be overwhelmed by your problems this is one thing that you never want to lose. Now take a moment and guess what I'm talking about. Just go ahead and talk to the person next to you and take a guess at what I am talking about. Ready for the answer? I'm speaking of hope. Anybody answer that? Anybody answer hope? Romans chapter 5. You were here last service. Yeah, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, we've been in this series called The Big Picture, and we've been trying to look at some of the big picture themes of Christianity. Christianity. And hope is one of the big picture, important words of the Bible. You go all the way back to the beginning of the story, and Adam and Eve had the tree of life as a symbol of hope. Noah, after the flood, had the rainbow. It was a symbol of hope. The story of Moses, as he leads people that were in slavery, out of bondage, into liberation, taking them to a new land that was a story of hope. Whenever you read of King David facing off against Goliath and overcoming Goliath through God's power, it's a story of hope. The young Queen Esther, who had risen to the throne due to her beauty, becomes a person of great courage whenever she saves her people from certain genocide. And it's a story of hope. The young woman, Ruth, who loses her husband early in life, she leaves her homeland and begins life anew, is a story that inspires within us hope. The lady, Rahab, who found grace, even though in her past she was a prostitute, and with her past so dark, found hope in Christ. Nehemiah, the man who led the people of exile back to Jerusalem and there They rebuilt the walls of the holy city and began life again in their homeland. It's a story that inspires hope. Mary, this poor girl that nobody really thought much of, chosen by the God of the universe to give birth to his son. It inspires within us hope. When you read the story of Jesus and how he ministered to people, how he healed the blind, fed the hungry, Walked on water. The stories and lessons that he taught, they inspire within us hope. The despair of the cross gives way to the light of the resurrection. And in so doing, it inspires within us hope. The reality that when we believe in Christ, that our sins can be forgiven and we can be found righteous before God, it's a story of hope. The reality that this life is not all that there is, but that there is life everlasting and that heaven is a real place and that we can be with God for all eternity. They all inspire within us hope. You see, the story of God teaches me that in my sin, I was at war with God. I was trapped in my flesh, trapped in my body, a slave to the temporal, to the elemental forces of the world, as the Apostle Paul liked to say. All I had was, was this, this world around me, those things which are empirical. From dust I came, and to dust I shall return. But then the story of God says, Our Lord, who is rich in mercy and abundant in love, sent his Son. And the story of Christ is the story of God doing something that we could not do for ourselves. Jesus lives the life that we could never live. And Jesus dies on the cross for your sins and mine. You see the scriptures teach us that the death of Christ on the cross was not just the death of a teacher who believed in his principles so greatly that he was willing to die for those principles but the death of Christ on the cross was a substitutionary death that the righteous was dying for the unrighteous. First Peter 3 says that he died so that he might bring us to God. That there on the cross Christ absorbed the wrath of God poured out upon sin into himself so that we might be forgiven and we might be have hope. There is no greater call of hope than the call of salvation. Jesus was unique among great world religious teachers in the fact that Jesus didn't just call us to believe in his teachings. Jesus didn't call us to a great battle or to poli- politically overthrow the government. Jesus called us to believe, to place our hope, To place our faith in him as Savior and Lord. And this call of hope is extraordinarily powerful. As you look at the story of Christianity, you find that the call of hope was not just offered to a select few. Those fortunate enough to have won the cosmic lottery. But the call of hope is offered to all. And the call of hope has transcended centuries. It has crossed geography. It has crossed culture. Today, as we worship in English, there are people all around the world worshiping the Lord amongst the nations. The call of hope doesn't care what color your skin is. It does not care if you are rich or poor. It doesn't care if you grew up in church or grew up in the bars. The call of hope is extended to all that in Christ there is forgiveness. In Christ, there is life. In Christ, there is a life that transcends the temporal and lasts for all eternity. Now, this passage that we looked at, it teaches us several things. Specifically, it teaches me that when I repent of my sins and turn to Christ, then first of all, I am declared righteous by faith. I am declared righteous. Now, that's a judicial term. The imagery here is that the gavel comes down and it declares you not guilty. Even though you were guilty of sin, God declares you not guilty because now in your faith he sees you in Christ. And so you are righteous because spiritually God sees you in Christ. Secondly, the passage teaches me that I have peace with God through Christ. Because I'm in Christ, instead of being at enmity with God, I now have peace in my relationship with with god thirdly access has been granted i can go before the father as, go before god as my father and christ invites us to come to god and call him abba father to call him papa to know him to love him to be in relationship with him the call of christ is not a cold call to a rigid set of, of rules, but the call of Christ is a call to relationship with God. The scriptures teach me that I stand in grace before God rather than having to cower in fear because his wrath has been poured out upon his son. And then fifthly, I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now that word rejoicing means I find joy. I rejoice in hope. Joy in Scripture is always tied to the purposes of God. So through the purposes of God, I have this deep-seated joy in hope I believe in, I trust in God, and I believe that through all things, the glory of God will ultimately be seen. And I have this hope. And nothing can separate me from my hope. Nothing can steal it. Nothing can take it away. Because my hope is based in Christ. And my hope is grounded in things which are eternal. But ah, there's still a problem. Even though I as a believer in Christ have salvation and I have hope. Look around. There is still so much affliction in this world. One of the things that grieves my heart is when a child grows up here, they come to Christ here, they're baptized in the baptistry behind the screen, raised in a home where mom and dad love the Lord and teach them right and wrong and teach them about the ways of the Lord. And then they go off to college. They go off into young adulthood. And somewhere in the course of their journey, they encounter a professor, they encounter somebody who points out all the affliction of the world. And then they ask the question, if your God is all good and all powerful and there is so much suffering, why doesn't your all good, all powerful God do something about it? And then they begin to try to cast doubt. Maybe your God is not all good. Maybe he is not all powerful. Maybe he's not able to do anything about this. We call this philosophically the theodicy, the problem of evil, the problem of suffering. Now, if you come here, you will know that in my preaching, I try to deal with this quite often. And within our children's ministry and student ministries, we work very hard to make sure that when kids leave this church and begin to go out into young adulthood, whether they go off to college or wherever they might venture, that we have discussed this issue with them. But over time, what, some, what often happens is people begin to lose hope in God. And frequently, what we begin putting our hope in is other things. Maybe we put our hope in government, and we begin thinking that through government we can bring about social change, and through government we can bring about the society that we really hope for and we can absolve the world of injustice or perhaps we put our hope in benevolent activities that by being philanthropic we can make a true difference and that's where we place our hope sometimes the realities of this world causes the young person to begin to turn into an adult who lives with no hope and as you live life and you find that life hurts and life can sometimes cut, and that there is affliction in life, it can often tempt us to lose our hope. Verse 3 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Now remember earlier the Bible told us to rejoice in hope, and now it says that we also rejoice in in affliction. Now that's a little countercultural because we don't think about rejoicing in affliction. So that gets my attention here because the scripture is saying that when I go through affliction, I'm supposed to rejoice in it. Now, why? Because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And so the apostle Paul here is drawing a link here between your afflictions that you go through in life, and hope. The Bible never denies that there is affliction in life. There is a major world religion that teaches that all suffering is actually an illusion. That it may appear to you as suffering, but that what it's actually intended to do is make you stronger and draw you closer towards uh, emptying yourself of greed and desire. The Scriptures teach us that there is such a thing as evil, that there is injustice in this world, that when we lose somebody that we love, even if we know that they are going to be with the Lord, grief stings, it hurts, that life often cuts. And so the story of God is a story in which hope prevails in spite of affliction. And in God's story, affliction and suffering Actually, lead us to greater hope because they remind us that what we have here is temporary and they draw us to place our hope in those things which are eternal. So, the Bible says that when you go through those afflictions, it produces endurance. Now, that word endurance means patience, staying power. It's when it's easy to quit. And you remain. Practically speaking, it could be the couple who comes here today. And you're going through a rough time in your marriage right now. And it would be real easy to quit. It would be real easy to give up on those holy vows that you made to one another. And go your separate ways. But instead, you make the decision to come together, work together, and renew your love and not quit. It's the parent whose child is in a rebellious stage and you see them making unwise decisions and you believe that there are consequences ahead that you do not want to see your child go through. And yet you continue to love them and help them and try to be an encouragement however you can be and try to speak wisdom into their life in a loving way because you're not going to quit on the responsibility that God has given you to love your children. It's the young person who graduated high school, went out into the real real world, and discovered that life does not give you participation trophies. Discovered that life can be cold, that it can be hard. It's the guy who stayed up too late last night. And right now, you're struggling to stay awake through this sermon. And you're trying to pry your eyes open. And yet, you have hope that soon this affliction will be over, (laughs) and life will be better. The Bible says that when you endure, it leads you to proven character. So we have affliction, which leads us to endure, and then that endurance leads us to character. Now that word character means one who has passed the test. One who has proven themselves trustworthy. So, in the marathon of life, character is not found on the starting line. Character is seen at the finish line. Character is found when you feel like quitting, but you keep on running. Character is found when those around you give up faith and tell you to take the easy route, but instead, You keep on believing, you keep on hoping, and you keep on pressing forward, doing that which you know is right. Character is found when you run out of strength, but you dig deep within and you find the Spirit of God gives you the power to keep on going, keep on moving, even though everything within you wants to quit. Character doesn't quit because character refuses to lose its hope. And whenever you persevere through affliction, God builds within you a godly character and it leads you to have a hope in those things which are eternal. Verse 5 tells us this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So two important ideas here. First of all, the hope that you have in God is not going to disappoint you. Secondly, we see evidence that that hope is valid through the Holy Spirit that God has blessed us with. Now, hope's a tricky word because if you place your hope in the wrong things, they're going to disappoint you. And if you continually place your hope in the wrong things, eventually you're going to give up on hope. You do that over and over again, and you become that lonely, calloused person that I talked about earlier. In 2012, only 57.5% of the voting population in the United States voted in the presidential election. In 2014... At the midterms, only 36.4% of the voting population went out and voted. If you watch news channels, you'll find the pundits discussing, why is it that more people don't go out and vote? And they give all sorts of different reasons. Well, maybe it's in the candidates, maybe, uh, you know, whatever. I, I would submit to you that one of the main reasons why people didn't go out and vote is because they've lost hope people have placed their hope in government and thinking this is the way that we're going to change the world and they've been disappointed they've been disappointed and so eventually they begin to think that's not the avenue they lose interest would much rather read something else than than read the news now don't misunderstand me it's vitally important for you to vote If you're a citizen of the United States, we live in a democracy and we have the freedom to go out and vote, you got to go vote. But the reality is, is that a lot of people don't do it because they have lost hope that it makes any difference. Way back in your closet, there is a fading Texas Rangers shirt. It used to be red. And now it's pink. And you bought that shirt when you had hope. You thought, they're going to win the World Series. And so you caught Ranger Mania and went out and bought you some red, white, and blue. And then Nelson Cruz. Oh, I missed it. Misses the fly ball. And then... Nolan leaves, and then Napoli and Josh, Ian, Michael, all leave. And then you gets hurt. And so now, instead of a hopeful Ranger fan, you're a disappointed Ranger fan. It's gotten so bad that you're hoping that Josh can make a comeback to revive the team. Now, what I'm trying to illustrate is that when you place your hope In temporary things, you may be satisfied for a season, but you will be disappointed in time because those things will pass. So it's vital that you place your hope in things that last forever. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm leaving you for a while. Well, naturally, they're they're disappointed. And so they ask him, can we go too? And Jesus tells them no. But then he says to, him, to them, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. I'm going to send you a counselor. He tells us the counselor is the Holy Spirit. And he says the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. And so when you go through those difficulties, I am sending you the Holy Spirit of God to walk with you because I will never leave you nor forsake you, and the Holy Spirit of God will constantly remind you to turn your attention to God and not be overcome by the afflictions of today, but to place your hope in those things which are eternal. He tells us in John 14, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever, and then he reminds us, I too will come back for you. The reason why a lot of Christians lose hope when they face criticism or affliction because somewhere along the line we have turned to the wisdom of ourselves rather than trusting in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we come before the cross and we embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord, we place our hope in him and we're to remain in him. Our hope is found in him. It is the hope that we have in the Savior that's going to sustain you through this life. But for many of us, We bow before the cross, we receive the forgiveness of the Savior, and then we get up and live life as if we're the ones that are God. And in so doing, we begin to trust in our own wisdom rather than trusting in God's wisdom that He's revealed to us in Scripture that the Holy Spirit reminds us of. We begin to push away from that and live in our own hope. and We place our hope in temporary things, and then over time, we're disappointed. We settle for things that are temporary. And we live our lives with continual disappointment. And so here's my prayer for you today. This is what I'm hoping that you take from this passage and live out in your life. Stand in the grace of Christ and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I pray that you might never, never, never lose your hope. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? The band's going to come. They're going to lead us in singing. I'll be here at the front. If I can pray with you about anything that might be going on in your life, if I can encourage you in any way, it's always my joy to do so. If you're at that point in your life where you need to become a believer in Jesus Christ, I I would love to talk to you about that. I'll be here at the front during this song. I'll be here after the service as well would love to talk with you about what it means to believe in Christ as Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture and what it teaches us. Pray that it might not merely be something that we learn, but may it be something that we live. I pray today for the person that may have lost hope, that they will find their hope renewed in you. Father, may we trust in you. Father, when we go through difficulty, may we live our lives realizing that those difficulties are also building within us, endurance, and Father, may we reach the point of godly character where we demonstrate that our faith is in you and that it has sustained us through difficulty. When people look at our lives, may they see godly women, godly men that love you with our hearts, and have hope that is found in you. And I pray for that person today that finds themselves numb. Far away from you. That finds themselves hurt. that Finds themselves with lost hope. I pray that you might do something that I could never do. I pray that you might renew their hope. That you'll fill their heart. And remind them of how great your love is. How rich your mercy, how abundant your grace. Help us to live lives that have hope. In Jesus' name, amen.